Welcome to Speed to Contract, Speed to Market, the show where thought leaders share their vast experience and new possibilities for expediting the government contract process. It's never been more critical for acquisition to become faster and more efficient. Our nation's security and freedom depend on it. Here's your host, Tim Templeton. I am pleased to introduce our guest, Elliot Branch. Uh, Mr. Branch is now the managing member of KJM Consulting LLC, where he provides acquisition advice and training to government and private sector organizations on acquisition matters. He recently retired after 34 years of federal service. His last position was Deputy Assistant Secretary of the Navy for Acquisition and Procurement in the Office of the Assistant Secretary of the Navy, which he assumed in June 2011. He served as the senior career civilian responsible for acquisition and contracting policy that governs the operation of the Navy's worldwide multi-billion dollar acquisitions. Mr. Branch was the principal civilian advisor to the Navy Acquisition Executive for Procurement Matters and the community leader of the Navy's contracting workforce. He is a fellow of the National Academy of Public Administration and a fellow of the National Contract Management Association. Mr. Branch graduated with a Bachelor of Science degree in Economics from the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School and completed the executive program at the University of Virginia Darden School. He has received the Navy Distinguished Civilian Service Medal, the David Packard Excellence in Acquisition Award, two Presidential Rank Awards for Meredith's Executive, the Vice Presidential Hammer Award for Reinventing Government, and the 2012 Samuel J. Heyman Service to America Medal for management excellence. Elliot, welcome to the podcast. Tim, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me this afternoon. The big question to start, and I know you think from different angles, we have antiquated policies of budgeting and controls that are seen by many leaders as a national security problem for our, for our country and our war fighters. From your experience point of view, where do we start to correct this problem? Well, you know, I, I, think, I think we start in a, in a couple of different places. So, so let me just mention those and then I'll, I'll go back and expand on them. Uh, so, so we know that competition is effective uh, in increasing quality and uh, responsiveness by industry and reducing costs or, or making costs as efficient as it can be. Uh, so I think we have to take uh, another look at competition. The, the other thing that, that I think we have to look at is is why we have the structure that we have in place, uh, and and I think we've got to to look at the reasons behind the process before we start tinkering with the process. So so those are the two places that that I think we really need to look. So so let me go back to to my first thought, which is competition. Uh, we get money from the hill uh, in a very program-centric way that makes it very hard for the department to make trade-offs, just as you might make a trade-off, you know, when you go into the grocery store or you go into Home Depot. You know, I I think about, uh, you know, those those things all the time. You know, there there are, you know, I have I have a rule in my house, for example, when when I'm when I'm buying uh, wine to cook with, right? So so my rule. that uh, over long experience is uh, I'm not willing to cook with anything I'm not willing to drink. 
uh, because I just don't find that it works as well. So that's really kind of a best value trade-off, right? But but I can uh, you know either either buy the high end line or I can look for substitute, uh, you know that the uh, ingredients that add the same kind of flavor. For example, I can use vermouth, which is a fortified wine. You know, I can make those trade-offs. We don't get to make those trade-offs in the department. If we get money to buy Joint Strike Fighters or uh, the F-16 latest variant, then we have to buy Joint Strike Fighters uh, or the F-16 latest variant. We don't get to sit down and say, you know, depending on what industry wants for those on a per-unit basis, what would be the mix that we might have just as we might do when we go into the grocery store, you know, where we might buy, uh, you know, a little less wine and a little more vermouth for cooking purposes. So I think we have to look at competition uh, and competition, you know, can't just be looked at in that, uh, you know, straight up, even up way. You know, another very good example is, you know, we, we've got several kinds of tablets on the market. You can go out and you can get an iPad, you can get an Android a tablet. Uh, you can get a pro- Chromebook. They're not exactly the same. Uh, but if we can make those trade-offs, uh, I, I think we could put ourselves in a position where we don't have to rely uh, on the system producing that data. The, the, the second uh, you know, thought that I have here is, is the system is in place for a reason. Uh, and if you look at you know, the Truth and Negotiations Act, which is what drives much of it, uh, it's there to correct an information asymmetry, right? And and I you know, I just you know look at that very simply in, in baseball terms. You know we were talking earlier. So so if if I could figure out what makes Juan Soto the prodigious hitter he is, you know that that we at Washington uh, you know foolishly traded away to you all in San Diego, uh, then what would I do? I would I would simply you know document that. And then I would go to, you know, class double A baseball and I would take an average middling hitter and I would give him a hitting coach and I would give them both the Juan Soto book on how to become a great hitter. And I would simply train a great hitter. But I can't do that, you know, for obvious reasons. So industry has secret sauce. Uh, I understand that they need to protect that. That's intellectual property. And it's not just designs, but it's also their business process. But I also understand that we have to guard against uh, industry being able to exploit those things uh, to the detriment of the taxpayer. So, so we put things like uh, uh, certified cost and pricing data in place to correct that information asymmetry that that industry has over us. And I, I'm concerned that we keep chipping away at those things in the interest of streamlining because what we will eventually uh, wind up with is is a very, very mild and ineffective way to correct that information asymmetry. I would argue that we need to figure out uh, how to get at the assumptions behind the process. Speed to contract, speed to market. So a couple of thoughts and I'll just throw them out. Uh, one is value analysis, right? We've talked about that, and we've never really defined it. And I and I think we have to do some real work on value analysis. And we see this in uh, Russia-Ukrainian conflict that we would pay a significant amount for, regardless of what it costs to make those things, to acquire a capability. 
you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that as uh, things started in the conflict there, that the Ukrainians didn't sit down and ask the Turks about what their indirect rates were and what their GNA rates were. They're looking at it saying, we've got an existential threat on our hands. We don't own the skies. You have some technology that can help us redress that balance. And we're willing to pay, you know, from a public policy perspective, what we think that's worth. So I, I think we can move uh, more to uh, value analysis, you know, in, in some of these areas. Uh, you know, the, the, the other thing that, that I think we can do is, is we can look at these systems and uh, while protecting uh, the intellectual uh, capital that, that these uh, primes have invested in these systems, we can modularize them. So we are providing, uh, if you will, a standard output uh, in, in, an, in an industry uh, standard way. So we have an example of that in the submarine force from years ago. Uh, years ago, when the Soviet Union fell, there was a sense that we did not need to continue to grow the capability of our submarine combat systems. This is in the early to mid 90s And the people who were in that space, you know, vehemently disagreed. But the people who control the money said, well, we have other priorities for the money. So what they did was they essentially had a conversation with the leaders in that particular uh, market segment. And they said, we need you to do some different things. And what we're going to do is we're going to modularize the product we buy from you. We're going to put in middleware. We're going to make sure that we get, you know, standard, you know, outputs, uh, you know, in a, in, a, uh, in a particular form. And what we need you to do is to help us identify those breakthrough technologies and those emerging technologies that can plug into those standards uh, so, so that we can spread that work. And, and what it amounted to was there was room for both the primes, albeit in a different role, as well as, you know, emerging uh, technologies, you know, from, from the sector. Because what they did, uh, you know, primarily was they stopped using purpose-built computers, which combat systems had used for years. And they started to use standard off-the-shelf computing equipment, you know, the same Intel solution that, that we're using to have this conversation today. So, so I think there are some things that we can do, but but I'm not sure that that simply, uh, if you will, kind of taking the current process and and trying to modify it uh, is is the right way to go. So what we're talking about here, Elliot, I mean this, and it, it goes back to this project that that you were involved with earlier on in the Navy of creating middleware of actually getting. The primes to move differently. That that's thinking way up at the top. I mean, that's changing the business process that uh, was the accepted business process of the day, and that took uh, that took a big initiative. I'm sure uh, from not only your team, uh, your organization's side, but also with the primes that you were working with. How long did it take? I mean, in in presenting that, because what we're talking about is creating a team here. To actually go up, think big, but then bring it down on the tarmac to actually identify some some effective changes that we can do uh, in the short term, as well as have long term. Well, I mean, it it, it took quite some time, um, and 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 let let me talk to the city because I because I think it's uh, one of the things that we don't think about uh, when we think about resistance to change, right? Mm-hmm. So so every decision that we make in a highly technological space, 
is is what economists will call a path dependent decision, right? So so I now uh, you know the, this idea of um, purpose built computers, right? So so I've created an industrial base for them, you know, I've created a supply chain for them, and and there's revenue flowing into that supply chain. I've created engineers that have a facility for that. I've created plant and equipment that knows how to do that in a very optimal way. And then somebody walks in and says, hey, guys, we can use the same chips that go into your you know, PC computer. And if we are just clever with our software, we can do the same thing. And, and that leads to a problem economists call stranded assets, because I've built all this capital up because I've made a decision. Right to educate people in a certain way, build facilities in a certain way, configure the supply chain in a certain way, that people are going, wait a minute, what now happens to my investment? Uh, and I think the larger question to, to, to ask here is, so if you don't change, given that the world is going to change around you, what happens to your investment? So I think we got to a point of equilibrium, right? Where, where industry and the Navy decided that the consequence of not changing uh, was was much uh, you know greater, but much more adverse consequence than the consequence of abandoning the way it did business. And and I and I think you know that's human nature. And and we've really got to spend some time uh, talking, not necessarily you know at the high level, but at the grassroots level. On okay, so so what happens if we don't change? You know, it, it, in thinking about this, I mean, obviously, the one thing that's important that you've identified here is bringing all stakeholders to the table and having the discussion. I can just think about the CEO sitting in the room if this is sprung on them. Uh, they've got a board meeting coming up to make their numbers on the next quarter, uh, to make their annual numbers, and all of a sudden a wrench comes in uh, to the machinery short term that's going to take that out of whack. Of course, there's going to be but you started well in advance of that, having them come to the table and understanding what that is and actually having them bring their input back into how to affect change where they can live with it and still move with the new business model. Yeah, and 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 to be and to be frank, you know, it wasn't it wasn't all, you know, roses uh, in the yeah. sense that some people decided to exit that business, mm-hmm. uh, that particular segment of the business. And and there were some you know mergers and acquisitions that took place so so that that business uh, looks very different than it did in the in the early to, to mid nineties. But but I think what having that conversation did was it gave industry and the Navy an opportunity to reflect on the implications of that change, and it allowed for some folks to make some decisions. And and as I said, they they weren't immediate. Uh, you know, decisions. I mean, you, you know, if you think about, um, you know, those, those kinds of decisions that, uh, that that can result, if you will, kind of in a dramatic change of circumstances, what, what, uh, what, what you might call a swift transition. You can go back to the credit, or, or rather the uh, credit crisis of 2008, mm-hmm. you know, where, you know, there were certain companies that just ceased to, you know, Lehman Brothers just ceased to exist, yeah. right? But, but yeah, you know, I'll, I'll argue, uh, as, as tragic as that was, that that stemmed from perhaps an unwillingness in that particular market to to sit and uh, and to look at 
okay, how is this market changing? You know, what are we doing uh, in, in terms of making sure that the fundamental underpinnings of the way we do business are sound? And because people didn't want to make those kinds of uh, decisions, people didn't want to reflect on that. What happened was they were making their numbers until they weren't. And when they weren't, they weren't very quickly. And it was a very, very draft. Yeah. And, and I don't think we as a country want to get into that position with our national defense. Yeah, very much agreed. So as you lay out uh, and have laid out the thinking and where the process starts at a very high level of, of not jumping in the middle and trying to make these systematic changes or chipping away at the current system, but really start the discussion at the top in regards to change. When you bring it down and, and the solutions are identified and, and are then presented, you've got an interesting uh, 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 thought process on how you frame things and the problem of framing. Kind of unpack that and how that's worked for you and against you uh, throughout your career. Well, I, you know, I, I think I think framing is is kind of critical. You know, my uh, my 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 son uh, and I have have had this you know conversation about uh, history book and other things, right? And um, you know, he's he's gone, Dad. Do you really believe what's in that history book? And my mm. answer to him was, you know, never confuse the facts with the truth. Mm. And and I think that while we may have the same facts, the truth is a matter of framing. And, and just as an example, you know, if if you are if you are ill and uh, you go in to see your internist and he says, you know, Tim, you're uh, you're ill, um, but no worries. Um, we have a procedure. There's a medical procedure. We can address your problem. But but I have to be honest with you. You know, there's a 10% chance that, that you might not survive that procedure. Well, if he comes, you know, and his colleague comes in, so you've now, you know, said, well, 10%, that's, that's horrible. So, so his colleague from whom you solicited a second opinion comes in and he says, well, Tim, I've, you know, looked at, you know, Dr. Smith's, you know, case file and I've looked at your x-rays and, and I have really good news for you. We have a procedure that can address that problem. And there's a 90% chance that you'll survive, right? So the, the facts are the same, you know, mm -hmm. nine out of 10 times in both of those facts, you're going to survive whatever this procedure is. But because we have framed it in a certain way, you look at it. Differently. So, so I think framing is very, very important uh, in, in how we consider uh, potential future reality. This is a, obviously a national security issue, right? Speed to contract, speed to delivery. And in your words, we certainly don't want to get into a position where the emergency is on us and we're not prepared going forward for the threat that's being spoken about about 2027. As we look at this global conflict that we're in right now, where information and technology and speed and communication are real time compared to what it used to be, uh, we need to take some next steps. But from your point of view, we need to take it at a high level, but also understanding what the key issues are of going through that. Uh, number one, competition, as you talked about, and, and who those players would be, but specifically value analysis. And to dig into uh, uh, the details of what does this really mean to change the overall system before we can offer up 
specific solutions going forward. With that that thought, Elliot, what would be uh, some of the final thoughts or encouragements of, of where we're at right now, which would be next steps going forward to really get focused uh, so that say in six, eight months, we could be back on the hill uh, with uh, a team of people that are passionate about this topic uh, to present something that would affect change in this important area. We moved through um, this uh, a, a few years ago. We had a congressionally mandated panel, uh, Section 809 panel, which, which took a look at the streamlining uh, of the acquisition system. And um, the, the first thing that I think is, is we, we need to go back and revisit the work they did. We did, you know, we did implement some of that. But, but frankly, you know, this is, this is the nature of uh, our politics. Uh, the folks that were uh, keenly interested in doing that work, uh, Senator McCain and his staff amongst them, weren't there when the panel finished their work. Uh, and the folks that were had different priorities at the time. So, so I, I think, you know, there, there, are, uh, there are things on the table uh, from that work. There are things on the table from the Sarah panel. There are likely things on the table going, you know, all the way back to the Packard Commission that, that if we just, you know, did a literature review and said, you know, some of these ideas, uh, you know, have been around for a while. Which ones are the ones we ought to be focused on now? I'm I'm not sure we need a panel to to start over again. You know, we've had panels to start over again several times. It may be a good idea to actually go back and and look uh, at at some of the things that we've not implemented. Uh, and I'll and I'll give you an analogy. I am a I won't I won't say I'm a golfer, uh, but but I do own a set of clubs and I like to tinker with the game. And, you know, there are, there are many what I call science experiments uh, in, in my house. So, so there are clubs not in my bag that at one point uh, in my game I thought might be used. And occasionally I'll go revisit that second bag and, and I'll say, you know, this is what's going on with my swing where these are the courses I'm playing. Are there clubs in that bag I can now pull out that will be more effective? Um, than the clubs I have in my bag. So, for example, uh, it's turning to fall here in uh, in Northern Virginia. You've got a lot of got a lot of leaves. Uh, you got a lot of gnarly rough. So, so my five wood is back in the uh, science experiment bag, and my three hybrid is is in my playing bag because I just looked at it and said, "Hey, circumstances have changed on my home court. Uh, I need a different set of tools." You know, we've done study over the last 50 years or more on all of the tools we might bring to bear. Why don't we just go back into the science experiment bag and see if maybe some of those tools are, are useful? We can do that in the short term. The other thing that we can do is, is we can start uh, to have a conversation, and I think we need to, to have it at a national security level about how we align the business process with the national security environment and needs and our needs. And I don't think we've ever done that. You know, so, so I, I look at it uh, this way. If you are moving toward more off-the-shelf technology, if you're moving into a more multipolar world, if you're moving into a world where, you know, people like the Chinese perhaps 
uh, have secured uh, favorable, more privileged access to things like rare earth metals and other things. Mm-hmm. What is it that you need to really focus on uh, to, to maintain that you know, national security advantage? And how must the business system then support? You know, so, so I'll throw a very controversial uh, idea out there. Maybe we're at a place where competition, as we understand it, should be revised or, 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 or reimagined. And maybe we're at a place where competition should be perf- you know, desired but not preferred. You know, had, had we you know, been in that kind of a situation, and I, and I know that's heresy to, to my contracting <laughs> friends, but, but had we been in that kind of situation, we might have been able to go tap the commercial marketplace uh, you know, more easily, right? Well, these are big ideas. I would look forward uh, to having you help out uh, to look at that, to go back in and look at the science bag of the work that's been done so that we could do that reading assignment. And I would, I would personally love to be able to review some of that documentation. I know that you have access to it and have a deep understanding of it. The other thought is, in terms of the uh, the science bag at golf, uh, my sixty degree wedge is still in my science bag because I haven't figured out my swing. <laughs> and when I do, I'll give you a call and we can go out and play eighteen together. <laughs> well, well, that's well, that's fair. But I, you know, but but you you, you raise a point, so I'll, I'll leave I'll leave you with one more golf story uh, before we go. So so I have a sixty degree wedge in my bag. But it's a different 60-degree wedge than where it was there 18 months ago. And, and what I figured out was I needed a way to get out of this hard-packed sand mm-hmm. in northern Virginia. So sometimes you play fluffy lies. Sometimes you, you, you play really hard lies. So my 54-degree has, uh, I think, 10 degrees of bounce on it or 11 degrees or 12 degrees of bounce. My 60 only has five. So it's also about using the right tool for the right job. And, and, and I had a lot easier time getting out of bunkers than when I had two wedges with, with 12 degrees of bounce on. Well, well said and very applicable to not only my game of golf, but also the problem that we face. Elliot, thank you so much for your insights. I've enjoyed the time. I know that our listeners have as well. Thanks again. My, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Tim. See live discussions of this fascinating topic at the Government Contract Pricing Summit in June. For more information and registration, visit gcpsummit.com.